Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, and welcome to Apartheid America! If you're in the wrong category, you can't go to restaurants, cafes, or theaters. You can't travel internationally. Pretty soon you won't be able to travel at all. So forget the back of the bus. You won't even be able to get on the bus without showing your kosher certificate. It's almost like occupied Palestine. And guess what? The victims of vax apartheid are disproportionately minorities, especially African-Americans, who are the most vaccine-skeptical demographic. For some reason, black people have a hard time believing the government and scientific and medical authorities always have their best interests at heart. So now two-thirds of the black folks in New York City are banned from public amenities and increasingly being fired from their jobs because they don't carry the right papers. So where is today's anti-apartheid movement? It's right here with us. On False Flag Weekly News, Kat McGuire. Hey, Kat, you're the intrepid hey. organizer of last weekend's wildly successful <laughs> Freedom Rally. So congratulations, yeah. Kat. You're the anti-apartheid hero of our time. Thank you. Well, it's a whole team. It's certainly not just me. A lot of people. And we want more. Okay. And let's look at the... Uh, let, oh, well, first, we do our obligatory disclaimers. Uh, this is a terribly disturbing show. Uh, if if being disturbed disturbs you, go get disturbed somewhere else. Okay, uh, medical health and mental health disclaimers. If you have mental or mental or mental health issues, I think I'm having a mental health issue right now. Don't watch the show. <laughs> Otherwise, watch it and don't take any of our medical advice. And if you do, um, you, you should only get medical advice from doctors and or YouTube, especially YouTube, because they've purged all bad information. And now you can just get medical advice. For, oh, I better shut up or I'll get censored. So next slide. Where are we here? Okay, now we're looking at uh, the vaccine uh, protest imagery of the week. And yes, Kat McGuire, you were out there in New York last week as we were broadcasting False Flag Weekly News. You were in the thick of organizing this huge event with a big turnout and you made Instagram. Is that our, our next slide? No, the next slide is the Epoch Times story about your protest. And then the next slide after that shows you making the New York Times Instagram. And there you are front and center. You're the poster girl for the protest. Congratulations. Yeah, I kind of knew wearing that shirt would get the attention. It's like having a a uh, tweet op-ed um, that they want. I really wanted them to know that we're not going to comply. So that march was so exhilarating. It feels like we're at a time where there really is change coming and they're being forced to cover us. And we're just out there uh, day after day. And then we had um, a really big one in Times Square. This one was uh, a separate one, but they're just one after the other. We're just keep having them over and over again. And and we're building our numbers. It's very, very exciting. It feels like it, maybe how people in the 60s felt like there's real change in the air. It, it just feels like there's a whole new agenda that people are waking up to. And the slogan here is uh, no mandates, no lockdowns. Uh, was there a third part? Um, we have a bunch of slogans. Um, my body, my choice. We will not comply. Um, freedom over fear. Um, people are just getting more and more creative and coming up with our ability to resist. All right. So resisting uh, medical and governmental uh, and corporate tyranny, that all sounds like a good idea to me. I'm not quite sure why so much of the left wing hasn't <laughs> figured this out yet, but maybe they will. Um, you may be the forerunner of that. So, okay, let's quickly get through our stories that are going to be censored uh, because we can't show them on YouTube. Uh, as In fact, let's go ahead and, and mention right now the fact that YouTube just upped the ante and they've already been uh, trashing people for so-called medical misinformation, but now they have uh, banned even more people and channels. And now uh, you can't say anything on YouTube that mentions that any vaccines, COVID or otherwise, causing chronic side effects. Well, there's no question that some vaccines actually do cause chronic side effects. Maybe in, it's in a vanishingly small segment of, of the population, or maybe it's not such a small segment. That's a scientific dispute, but you're not allowed to even raise the issue on YouTube anymore. Uh, and you can't say that vaccines don't reduce transmission or contraction of disease, um, even though there are questions. Of course, it's a matter usually of how much they reduce it and whether that that, that is uh, as you know a huge an issue as they tell us. 
you can't talk about that. You can't talk about fetal cell lines in their development or anything like that. So they just trashed all these uh, leading YouTube people like Mercola and uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., so on and so forth. So, okay, so that's that's going to be our story number nine. And when we talk about that story, we're not going to mention the fact that a lot of what you can't talk about is actually totally accurate and scientifically verified. Uh, so here's our story that's totally taboo from YouTube this week. Uh, this is from a German expert who calls himself Eugipius. And uh, no, let's move back to that previous slide, Alan. We haven't finished Eugipius yet. Uh, his point is that the, uh, the pro-vaxxer mantra, that the reason that even though uh, we vaxxed the hell out of all of these places uh, and they have as much or more COVID than before, well, that's not because the vaccines aren't working that well. The vaccines are great. The reason that's happening is because we ended lockdowns. So that's what the, the pro-vax argument says. And Eugipius shows that that's totally untrue because the data shows that the lockdowns were worthless. If you put a bunch of graphs up showing random countries and when they lock down, you don't label them, so you don't tell them which countries they were. So nobody uh, can possibly figure out which countries locked down when looking at the COVID graphs because there's just no evidence that the lockdowns actually had much of an effect. So what's going on now? Eugippus points out that it is mild Merrick effect. Merrick effect is when you use a leaky vaccine on a large population that's already got an endemic or pandemic going around. All you're doing is breeding for more transmissible or nastier variants, um, and it tends to disproportionately harm the unvaccinated. It kills all the unvaccinated chickens, in fact. And now this so-called pandemic of the unvaccinated is because we've bred a nastier variant that's harming unvaccinated people even more than vaccinated people. But it's also getting them because it's breeding a variant that can get past vaccines. So what I just told you is illegal to say on YouTube, but it's my best interpretation of what's going on after looking at arguments on various sides of the equation. So that's my take. Uh, what's yours, Kat? Well, they keep moving the goalposts of uh, what is uh, how many people die of vaccine or not. I think the CDC won't even admit that anybody has died. There were um, hearings on the boosters by the FDA on September 17th. And this guy, Steve Kirsch, is amazing. He's some billionaire tech guy and he testified and he claims that there's peer reviews that show that um, with people who get COVID, the vaccine kills two people for every one person it saves. So the, vac the vaccine is killing more people than is saving, even though the CDC says the vaccine doesn't kill anybody. But what I love is this guy, Steve Kirsch, laid down the gauntlet and uh, he's offering $3,000 to anyone who can prove in a live Zoom debate that um, the COVID vaccine is not killing anybody. But one other thing I do want to say about the um, September 17th hearing on boosters, it came out, um, and this is stuff that we're being censored from hearing. I'm wondering if they even cover, allowed the FDA hearings to be covered. I don't know about that, but one in 317 boys aged is 16 to 17 will develop myocarditis from the vaccine. But if they take the booster, it's one in 25 boys will get myocarditis. So things like this are mission critical information that we're being kept from hearing. And that's in the context of uh, the information referenced in this article that points out that in fact, the, the evidence that the vaccines are really stopping or even really slowing the pandemic is not at all obvious. Um, in fact, quite the quite the reverse. It it seems that they're shifting the burden of the disease a little bit at best, and they may be helping certain people individually against the disease. But as you said, Kat, I've, I've seen some credible looking studies claiming that overall mortality is actually not improved uh, when people get the vaccine. So. It, that, that's that's again. It requires you know more study to figure out what's really going on there. But in any case, uh, we should be allowed to talk and think about these things, and and we're not. And that, so let, now let's move into our borderline story, uh, the Eisenstein piece, which I think was one of the best pieces that we have this week. Charles Eisenstein uh, points out that the real uh, argument against this mass vaccination program. I mean, besides the kinds of things that we've talked about with Luc Montagnier uh, and, and so on, those those kinds of arguments, 
is that there, it's the whole paradigm of industrial medicine that is the problem. And that's what we should be questioning. Not so much just the vaccines. They're kind of a symptom of the larger disease of uh, a high techno technology industrialized medicine society that's actually dealing with health far more, uh, well, less optimally, let's say, than other approaches might. I think all of that is true, but I would like to add a, uh, a layer on top of that, actually. He's indicting systems, but um, I think we should look more closely than we do at the people who have corrupted those systems. For example, take banking. My grandpa was a banker. He founded a state bank, um, and he was a pillar of his community. The system, the banking system worked for his community when it was done in moderation, in balance, and in alliance with the people. So it's sort of like guns don't kill people, people kill people. So people can even corrupt the alternative health systems that Eisenstein um, thinks would be so good. Just as they've corrupted capitalism, there's a cabal of people who whatever we have there, they're just going to take it and corrupt it. And Caitlin Johnston calls it the blob and Catherine Austin Fitz call, talks of Mr. Global. But I really challenge people to look more closely at who is in these major centers of power disproportionately dominating our systems. I'm not saying our systems are the best, but start with BlackRock, move on to the trustees of the World Economic Forum and figure out at a personal level who's disproportionately gaming all of our systems to take them so out of whack. And maybe it's kind of good that everything's being turned upside down. We, we need to shift as a species on this planet, but do we really need the stick to do it? And if we don't look at closely at who's actually co-opting all of our systems, the bad guys will just figure out ways to co-opt any new good system we arrive at. Well, that's a good point. So let's go ahead and get personal about some of the bad guys here and call them out and impose some individual responsibility on them. Uh, so who should we start with? Well, uh, let's go to the COVID origins question. Here is a typical propaganda piece, uh, very likely uh, Mockingbird scripted, uh, published at, at Yahoo, I think originally in the LA Times. And <laughs> the first sentence is, is great. The first sentence is, quote, when it comes to the pandemic, pseudoscience has outweighed real science at almost every turn. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> Look around at all the <laughs> masked and locked down and vaccinated people. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> so so this article then goes on to put forth a blatantly bogus, uh, empty uh, argument uh, against the COVID as lab-made bioweapon theory. And it does that first by ruling out the strongest hypothesis, which is a deliberate bio-war strike against China and Iran by Trump administration neoconservatives, uh, namely John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, and their friends. So it completely ignores that possibility and only tries to show that an accidental lab leak is unlikely, which actually is true. It is. And then it these these actual these arguments that they put out is is in, you know they're just completely ridiculous. Uh, for instance. Quote, one of the arguments in favor of the lab leak theory has been that evidence for a zoonotic or natural origin has also been spotty. That argument has never been quite true. Virologists know that animals have been the source of most of the viral diseases afflicting humanity. Wait a minute. The fact that throughout history, uh, animals have been the main reservoir of diseases that jump to humanity has nothing whatsoever to do with the question of COVID-19 in the context of an era in which there is pervasive gain-of-function bio-warfare research going on at hundreds of labs all over the world. What was true for most of history is not true today. So that argument is insanely irrelevant and, and uh, mendacious. And uh, the, it just goes on from there. So I, I really urge people to read this as a case study in CIA Mockingbird-style propaganda uh, disguised as a mass media story. I totally agree with everything you said. I, I could barely even desire to deconstruct it. It is so beyond the war is peace Orwellian lies, they tell us, that I just think of C.J. Hopkins. He had a brilliant uh, thesis that what they're really doing with these pervasive lies, it's beyond those, is uh, they're gaslighting reality itself. So I feel like I'm um, in this one big, one flew, flew over the cuckoo's nest world, 
and I'm Jack Nicholson. And the New World Order is Nurse Ratchet, and all the patients are all of these brain-dead people who believe in it. And I'm waiting for Chief to come and throw the washing machine through the window so we can get out of this. Sounds good to me. Uh, so uh, opposing this Mockingbird mainstream piece, trying to convince you that, oh, it really just came from the, the pangolin steak eaters and the bat soup slurpers at the Wuhan market, uh, is my piece, which is published now in American Free Press. Uh, God bless American Free Press, the last real newspaper in America, they call themselves with some uh, some righteousness there. So uh, in, in this article, I just point out that that uh, the 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 uh, what should we call it the investigative work that triggered the pushback by the mockingbird mainstream like that previous article we just looked at is happening right now because of this leaked document that was put out by DASEC and the Eco Health Alliance uh, asking DARPA, a Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, for uh, millions of dollars to uh, basically do gain-of-function uh, gain research, hyping up uh, bat coronaviruses so they could infect people, running them through humanized mice. This is exactly how you would manufacture this bioweapon. And that, that study is actually a smoking gun for the deliberate strike on China theory, because obviously DASEC and the EcoHealth Alliance are asking China, or rather, I'm sorry, asking DARPA for money so they can identify all of these kinds of uh, potential, these animal viruses that could be turned into bioweapons and then released in China in such a way as to make it look like it's either uh, a natural, naturally occurring Chinese bat uh, or pangolin or that it's an escape from the Wuhan laboratory. And, you know, he doesn't quite obviously come out and say that in his grant and say, I want your money so that we can set the stage for a bio attack on China. But he might as well. He says the war fighters need a real time app showing them where all of these dangerous bat viruses in China are. So what? So they so that when American soldiers invade China, they can hide in the caves uh, that don't have these bad, nasty bats. I don't think so. <laughs> it's, so so uh, anyway, I was able to write this and directly name the suspects who need to be hauled into the International Criminal Court and interrogated, namely Robert Cadlick, the biowar czar that Trump appointed and who probably oversaw this this attack on China that blew back and turned into the COVID pandemic. John Bolton and Mike Pompeo, who probably authorized it and Peter Daszak and Charles Kalischer, two germ warfare criminals. Uh, Kalischer is accused by the Cuban government of murdering over 100 ch children in Cuba and sickening hundreds of thousands of Cubans in a mosquito-borne dengue finger attack. Fever attack and Daszak is a biological warfare spook with a PhD too. All these people and many more need to be hauled into court and interrogated so we can solve this thing. Right. Um, it was a great article, Kevin, and I love that you're doing exactly what I said. Let's name names. And I loved um, Meryl Nass's line about spooks with PhDs. That was good. But um, yes, they need to be hauled into an international uh, court of justice. That would be the appropriate body to, um, this is a scientific crime and we need criminologists, coroners and scientists using scientific methods to solve it. But as we know from past investigations, we can't, it's hard to have regulatory bodies or governments run this. Um, they seem to always have too much skin in the game. What I'd love to see is a people's office of investigation into criminal elements of power, something like that, that can really go after these, uh, these, these culprits. Um, but you did a great service in naming names. Thank you, Kevin. Well, thanks, Kat. And, you know, I, I hope one of these five names or a couple of them get together and sue me and American Free Press because we will win. Just like when uh, Hunt, uh, the JFK assassin, sued American Free Press, it was called the spotlight back then, uh, for saying that he was in Dallas participating in killing JFK, uh, it went to trial in Florida. And the jury decided on the, in favor of American Free Press, or the what it called spotlight at the time, uh, they Mark Lane won that case. The jury decided that Hunt had actually been, had been a CIA participant in the murder of John F. Kennedy in Dallas, and that he was lying when he said he hadn't been in Dallas. So uh, let's let's hope something like that happens again. And so, you know, if they do come after me, they might pressure American Free Press and they might pressure Substack. And Substack is coming under pressure right now already. Uh, here's uh, CNN uh, saying, oh, my God, these irrespons irresponsible free speech advocates at Substack are claiming they have the right to publish things 
that I think are wrong. The nerve, the colossal impudence, the shameless, unmitigated, uncircumcised chutzpah. And don't tell me the phrase uncircumcised chutzpah is an oxymoron or I'll whack your pee-pee. I mean, this is insane. <laughs> this guy's telling us that, no, you can't publish anything that I think is wrong. I mean, how Orwellian can it get? Yeah, um, they want these editors, who I guess are the experts, to tell us and, and engage with the writers. But no, let's have the subscribers engage with all the, if they're so controversial, let the people go at them, have at them. Um, and I'm so happy for Substack that um, they're doing just as well as Tucker Carlson's ratings against Don Lemon or Rachel Maddow. But I always go back to what um, you have said, Kevin. And and I don't I don't think you said you're on Substack. I don't know if everybody yeah, yes, knows that's, that. That's my new platform is Substack. Yeah. Yeah, but I always remember what you have said that if the media would just print the truth, newspapers and other press organs would not go out of business. Yeah, it's it's that's a thought. You know, if all they had to do is if they just do their jobs, um, then they can stay in business. It, kind of is a no-brainer, but in any case, here's a, a sentence from this article attacking Substack for publishing people like me. Substack has attracted high-profile writers from former New York Times op-ed columnist Barry Weiss to top chef host Padma Lakshmi, but it has also attracted controversial personalities who might not otherwise find platforms online. Ooh, yeah, people people like me and like some COVID skeptics and you know, a lot of very disreputable individuals. Um, so I hope Substack continues to stand with its free speech philosophy and publishes people uh, calling it the way they see it, even if certain mainstream media journalists think that those people are wrong. Um, and anybody who says that nobody can publish anything unless I say that they're right is really not uh, very committed to free speech, to say the least. <laughs> so and speaking of which, how about YouTube? Talk about not being committed to free speech. Uh, YouTube is is going ballistic with its censorship. It was already hideous, but now it's gotten even worse. So now they've got these this list of things you can't say about anything related to V words. I won't even say what the V word is. I think our last story today, it's vagina, but uh, that's not the word I'm thinking of here. <laughs> but we can't say it. Uh, <laughs> so Mercola is now gone from YouTube. Erin uh, Elizabeth, who I just learned about from this, is now gone. Uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., and the children's health defense is now gone. And uh, there have been 130,000 videos removed uh, this year alone, and it's it's out of control. So YouTube should be ashamed of itself. And, and look at what YouTube says in the next slide. They claim that free speech is their core value. Well, it's a core value for YouTube when it involves uh, CIA-supported Russian fascist and cockroach exterminator Alexei Navalny uh, calling for the extermination of Muslim cockroaches throughout Russia. That's okay, that's free speech. But uh, these other people like uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., it's not. YouTube should be uh, very ashamed of itself. I'm, I'm almost ashamed to be broadcasting on YouTube right now. Um, well, what's really bad is that the, it's not totally big tech per se. They've outsourced, if not deferred, their censorship primarily to um, outfits like ADL's Silicon Valley Center on Extremism. There's this new cottage industry of uh, people monitoring hate. Um, you know, if you monitor that much hate, can you imagine what that imbues in you? But everyone from the Southern Poverty Law Center to Chip Berlay to uh, a, a person from the past, our past, Kevin, this guy named Spencer Sunshine. He's oh, monitoring. Spencer, good old Spencer. Yeah. I, yeah, I made a great video. I, ca I called him up on the phone and, and he, was, he, he was so amusing to talk to that I turned that conversation into a YouTube. Yeah, I mean, he's another one out there monitoring. He monitored us, and we had to, we got kicked out of the left forum. And it was Kevin who said, "Well, let's just call ourselves the Left Out Forum," and we became infamous. That's true. So there's, yeah, you have That's to get around back. these people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have to keep pushing back at them. And actually, every time they censor you that's a new story in itself. And, and theoretically, that should be uh, calling attention to the issue that you're raising that got you censored. Uh, and, and speaking of which, uh, speaking of YouTube censorship, now it looks like uh, YouTube is going to war with Russia. I, I hope it's not uh, nuclear or anything, although frankly, uh, I guess I shouldn't say anything about <laughs> whether I would be uh, shedding tears if, uh, if nuclear weapons landed on YouTube headquarters. Just kidding, that's a joke, uh, very tasteless <laughs> joke. But seriously, Russia is going all out after YouTube now, saying it's it's just launched an information war. Uh, YouTube took down all of RT's German language channels uh, on the basis of supposed uh, COVID misinformation. 
So it's it's reaching like the state versus um, mega monopoly corporation level. Uh, who's going to win, Russia or YouTube? Um, well, I, I worry that big tech as a whole is acting like a whole nation state, more powerful than even nation states with their committees and fact checking. Um, it's just extremely dangerous that they've anointed themselves as the global media, media monitor. And I don't see it being taken down. I don't know what's happened to Lindsey Graham and Josh, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, uh, Hawkins, I think, um, who, who were trying to do what they did to Bill Gates uh, years ago and, and um, sued him for uh, monopoly. But we're not seeing any of that now. Where are our Ida Tarbells? Yeah, it's uh, turning into a kind of a, a, a global penal colony. And speaking of penal colonies, how about the uh, Australian one. Australia got its start as a penal colony and concentration camp full of uh, convicts sent over from England. And now it's turned back into its origins. It's a giant concentration camp. It's reverted to its original status. The unvaccinated will lose their freedoms on October 11th in New South Wales, Australia's biggest, most populated state. Um, it's total apartheid there. Uh, they're shutting off the internet so that um, people who disagree with official dogma can no longer, uh, not only can they not see anything that uh, speaks to them on YouTube, they won't be able to even <laughs> use the internet at all. Uh, and, and then in the next story, um, the, they're locking down the unvaxxed starting October 11th. I would think on October 11th, there might be some more pretty uh, hardcore protests out there, even if the whole Australian internet is down. This is turning into Road Warrior, Mad Max stuff, which of course came out of Australia. I guess they're going to be the first uh, to to get there. And you know, Mad Max and the Road Warrior will turn out to be prophetic. Well, it's hard to believe um, Australians are allowing this to happen. There was an interesting survey in 2020 of 36 countries with 20,000 respondents. 74% said tech giant powers must be limited. But of that, Australians, by a whopping 87%, said big tech companies should face limits to their power, which would in turn um, would be like their government. And yet, they're capitulating to this. Um, we're having a march on Monday to the Australian consulate um, in solidarity with the people um, in Australia. But um, one thing that's interesting is that their big um, poobah, uh, Gladys um, Berejiklian, she's the leader of uh, Australia's most populous state, New South Wales. She had to step down supposedly for an alleged corruption scandal that happened years ago. But it sounds like a real suspicious pretext. I mean, she, she, I thought she was uh, pretty fascist, um, but apparently she hasn't been tyrannical enough because The Guardian uh, wrote that her government is, quote, sleepwalking towards a cliff and that she's reluctant to stop it. So off with her head. Now we're on to someone else who's probably going to be even worse than her. Well, they just keep getting worse all the time, uh, all, all over the place here, Australia and, and a lot of other places as well. And speaking of uh, worse getting even worse and, and yet worse, and you can't even imagine that the next president could be worse than the previous one, it seems to be going that way. Uh, although, let's give Joe Biden some credit here. He's being raked over the coals for his getting out of Afghanistan in such a humiliating way. Uh, and now we have Lloyd Austin, uh, Mark Milley, and, and General Keith McKenzie testifying in front of the Armed Services Committee in the Senate. Uh, basically contradicting Biden's story. Biden said that no, none of his military advisors uh, told him to stay in Afghanistan. But now they're saying, yeah, we told him to keep some troops in Afghanistan. Well, as far as I'm concerned, this actually redounds to Biden's credit. Unlike Trump, he was actually able to get out. Trump wanted to, but he couldn't. Biden did uh, at the price of a PR disaster, which is probably a great thing for the world. So uh, two cheers for Biden. Well, I couldn't even relate to anything being said. To me, it's just all sophistry and circumlocution. Uh, our culture is steeped in lying. I would really like a word like that word cacocracy that's supposedly ruled by the worst, most despicable people. I want a word that says ruled by the most bodacious liars because we got a ton of them and that's our tyranny right now. Okay, well, yeah, I, I'm certainly not uh, cheering for Biden uh, lying. Um, but getting out of Afghanistan, that, that actually means something. And 
so this whole concocted scandal in the right wing media trying to make Biden look bad because he insisted on getting out and uh, and spun uh, what uh, the evil genocidal war criminal advice he was getting from the military. I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't see things the way that the right wing media does here in the next story. We have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller uh, getting locked up for criticizing his superiors over the botched pullout from Afghanistan. He made a video and now he's in the break. Uh, oh, well, you know, truth tellers are not really very welcome in the military or anywhere else these days. Well, um, he was called out. Um, he was calling out the military for accountability, but basically, he's just being jailed for whistleblowing. Which, like Julian Assange, they are both calling out war crimes, but nobody at the military or intelligence agencies is ever held liable for all the deaths and torture. I like what Gandhi said. How, um, if we can paraphrase him, you can judge a society by how well it treats its animals. Well, I say you can judge a society by how by how well it treats its truth tellers, its whistleblowers, and look at Assange and how he is being treated. So, um, and the other one, let's remember Pat Tillman who I believe was assassinated by the military because they saw his potential for truth telling. Um, he was reaching out to Noam Chomsky. And so um, whether it's this Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, uh, Pat Tillman or Julian Assange all across the board, when you go after the military for its crimes, they're gonna come after you. Well, you know, if Pat Tillman emailed Chomsky and said, hey, Noam, I, I just figured out 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, and then Noam called in a drone strike or whatever, or called in a friendly fire. Incident. <laughs> I, I'm glad that didn't happen to me because I did the same thing. I emailed Noam Chomsky. <laughs> I said, hey, Noam, I love this. Obviously, an inside job. And and he, he like sounded like he wanted to call in a drone strike or friendly fire incident on me. That His reply was every, everything but that. Anyway, uh, moving on to Pakistan, the witnesses to the alleged bin Laden assassination uh are saying that the whole thing is ridiculous. Quote, the fact that his body was thrown into the sea is just stupid and ridiculous. Well, that's not the fact. The story that his body was thrown into the sea, so that's why there's absolutely no proof that it, that he was ever killed there. That's what's stupid and ridiculous. Uh, so it's great that, uh, that Sputnik is publishing this, but it's, it's kind of a stupidly written story. It's sort of half adhering to mainstream nonsense and then half uh, quoting these witnesses who were there who know that it's total nonsense. Right. And there's still many more um, uh, facts from that whole assassination that haven't come out, like the helicopter accident with all the special forces who were involved in the assassination, that helicopter accident. Then there was uh, Benazar Bhutto, who uh, was the assassinated Pakistani politician who openly said bin Laden died in December 2001 of kidney failure. Well, some say she got taken out for whistleblowing at that. And then there's just the whole timing of um, the thing. Um, it Why, when they knew for a year bin Laden was in Abbottabad, did the CIA wait for a whole year before attacking? Um, and they waited till May 1st, 2011, which happened to be barely 24 hours after Obama released his Hawaii birth certificate to quell charges that he was born in Kenya and not Hawaii. Um, so all of these things are just, there's so many little side stories that haven't been cleared up. Let's hear those too. So any little ones that come out, I'm all for. Well, Seymour Hersh's work on this issue has proven that the official story is a lie and that different people who supposedly participated are telling totally radically different stories. And so either most of them or all of them are obviously lying. As for what the truth is, uh, that probably remains to be determined, uh, as in so many other areas. Well, uh, let's move on to the new Secure Communications Network uh, headquarters in Chicago for the uh, the Jewish National Security State. I don't know if they're calling it that, but this is like the White House Situation Room, except it's uh, for going after anti-Semites or people who cause anti-Semitic incidents. Uh, this new Situation Room in Chicago has a 16-foot video wall that integrates highly advanced proprietary stack technology, allowing them to monitor the entire internet for anti-Semitic uh, incidents in real time. It's got optimal incident tracking and response, workstations, audiovisual capabilities for live recorded briefings. The video wall tallies incident reports, but also potential threats nationwide. Uh, it has seating for eight, but can accommodate additional staff during an incident response. And so what that means is the very instant 
that false flag weekly news starts saying mean and cruel things about Israel, a 16-foot projection of our show will appear on the wall of the command center, and a group of angry Jewish Defense League members will start throwing rotten fruit at our oversized images. That'll teach those anti-Semites. Um, Kat, do you feel more secure knowing that there's this uh, White House situation-style room monitoring us right now in Chicago on a 16-foot screen? Well, if I were African-Americans, I'd be particularly incensed because is, aren't they supposedly the ones who are being uh, um, uh, sought after for crimes against black people? And in here we have so few, actually. The FBI reported a nearly 60% increase in religiously motivated hate crimes targeting Jews last year. Yeah, right. How many of those crimes can be retracted as committed by Jews as we've seen in the past? But I bet the guy behind all this is Rahm Emanuel, or I'm sure he smoothed the way. The whole thing is an excuse for Unit 8200 to have an upfront command control operation in the U.S. for supposed hate crimes. Hate crimes is just anything elite Jews don't like. And I bet my life that the software of this enterprise has a front door, not a back door, a front door straight to Mossad. Okay, well... You know, these guys, they say that anti-Semitism is getting out of control. And one reason they say is that online threats can get very sophisticated. Um, uh, this is a direct quote from the, from the article. Uh, it, it, and an example of this uh, extremely sophisticated online threat is cases where hackers sent messages to targets that seem to come from their rabbis. <laughs> so the, the target of anti-Semitic harassment gets like an email message like, Hey, this is a uh, Rabbi Schnitzel. Have you been keeping kosher? You know, and, and this is like <laughs> a national security level threat, level five threat, or whatever. And they also say that there have been uh, terrible like scams targeting Jewish people. So I guess Bernie Madoff was a terrible anti-Semite. That from now on, if any Bernie Madoffs appear, they will be caught by the 16-foot screen that is probably broadcasting our images at this very moment. Um, I, I wish I could see myself on that screen. Maybe you know, if, if, if any of our viewers like, I bet there's some. I know there are a lot of Jewish people who like false flag weekly news and they you know like my work in general so maybe if one of them could infiltrate this command center and sneak me in there sometime so we could actually broadcast false flag weekly news from the command center with this 16 foot wall behind me as i broadcast wouldn't that be cool so uh and, and oy vey man this jdl would be really pissed off so if, if anybody can do that uh just get in contact with me meanwhile over in congress um, Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky has accused APAC of foreign interference. Uh, wait a minute, APAC, uh, a nice American group actually running interference for a foreign state? That couldn't be. That's a very anti-Semitic thing to say. He should be ashamed of himself. Well, all these politicians are being shamed into voting pro-Israel. Even AOC admits to trembling and having to vote present on the Iron Dome. Um, and I'm sure a present vote is also deemed disloyal because president just saying present is akin to abstaining. No, you have to be all in. Even uh, Kamala Harris is having to do massive penance for not challenging um, some woman during a Q&A who said Israel is committing ethnic genocide. Um, in our next story, we're going to see somebody else, Nina Turner, who is facing repercussions for not bowing down enough. It's not enough just to remain silent. You have to be pro in favor. And heaven forbid you say anything that um, is uh, at all contrary to what their agenda is. Yeah, she says in the middle of her very in her campaign last spring, a quote unquote pro-Israel Jewish businessman uh, called on her and and basically told her jump you know jump on board with Israel or else. And you know she she said, well look, I've, I'm not I've already disavowed BDS. What more do you want? <laughs> and he wanted more, and so she refused. And mi millions of dollars came in for vicious attack ads during the final week of the campaign. Uh, and then the rich Jewish suburbs turned the election. Normally, apparently, it's always the uh, the African American communities that determine the winner. But in this case, they got so many viewers out from these wealthy or voters from the wealthy Jewish suburbs that uh, she lost a race that she otherwise would have won. So once again, you have to represent Israel first and foremost if you're going to do public service in the United States of America, which is kind of bizarre and it's kind of annoying. And maybe that's part of the reason that more and more Americans are, are sick of this nonsense and turning against the uh, Zionist genocidal entity. Uh, take evangelicals, please. The evangelicals are turning away from Israel. Uh, support has dropped by half in three years, according to this study that's just been recorded. Now, I can't understand, Kat, why any 
good red-blooded American Christian would have a problem with the likes of Jeffrey Epstein controlling top American <laughs> leaders through sexual blackmail. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Oh, Is evangelical gonna uh, gonna turn the tide here? Uh, I say break out the champagne. They probably don't drink, but um, it correlates with young Jews as well and young people in general. So what I don't get is our young people are so brainwashed from years in the re-education camps, in other words, the universities, but opposition to Israel is, is rising. So I think it shows that in the face of extreme moral repugnance, they can see through the simulacra and know the truth. So I'm just wondering how fascist does it have to get for them to understand that the pandemic is nothing less than an extremely fascist global coup d'etat. So if they can see through Israel, come on, see through, see through what's happening to us now as well. Well, you know, interestingly, Kat, a lot of evangelicals are waking up to things like that too. It's, it's interesting, uh, you know, back in the days of Jerry Falwell and stuff, uh, when I used to look at Sunday morning TV and, and cringe, I never imagined that there would be these kind of enlightened evangelicals. Uh, and the next thing you know, they're going to be actually making common cause with Muslims like me on some of these things, and the whole world will turn upside down. But So they're, they're getting there. Well, let, let's move on to the uh, econ apocalypse news. And of course, as the economy crumbles, that's when all sorts of huge changes uh, could conceivably happen. And we're getting there. Uh, the workers who keep the supply chains going worldwide are warning of an imminent system collapse. So you think that the shelves are getting a little bit empty now. Just wait till you see what happens tomorrow. Uh, the seafarers, the truck drivers, the airline workers have been putting up with the quarantines, travel restrictions, and complex COVID-19 vaccine and testing requirements, trying to keep the stretched supply chains moving during the so-called pandemic. But the supply chains are about to snap. So, Kat, how will we survive when the shelves of Walmart are empty? Well, it's going to be real hard if they keep up these ridiculous restrictions that have no bearing on anything. It's just all policy. It's not about... Uh, it's all policy that's doing it. It's concocted, premeditated policies. Um, here's an example of some of the stupidity. At the peak of the crisis in 2020, 400,000 seafarers were unable to leave their ships for routine changeovers, some of them working for as long as 18 months beyond their initial contracts. They were just like almost stuck at sea. Um, we're going to be seeing a digital attack on the supply chains. I don't want to language that, but when the World Economic Forum tells you that um, a cyber attack is going to happen on our supply chains, you kind of have to listen up because they say they're trying to protect us against these criminal elements or want to take down the free world, but it's actually a concocted dress rehearsal for them taking down our system. And I believe that they're going to go at it through the uh, supply chains, um, global blackouts and supply chain uh, takedowns for them to install their monetary system. That's that's what is up for us right now, I believe, unless we stop it. Well, there are signs of a financial and monetary collapse. Uh, the supply chains are a big part of that. But Joe Biden could solve the whole problem. All he has to do is mint a platinum coin a trillion dollar platinum coin and in fact if he does that there'll be so much money floating around that we won't have to ask muse the cat to do any more fundraisers for us so if joe or any other viewers would like to send platinum coins uh, to p.o box 221 lone rock wisconsin 53556 please be my guest you will certainly solve my problems if not all of the world's problems by doing so seriously folks though modern monetary theory says that this actually can work as long as you don't create so much money that you get inflation you can spend deficit spend to your heart's content uh more money is the answer uh, platinum coins could be part of it what do you think Ken? yeah i think there's plenty of areas where we can uh not the platinum coin just go after who has the money right now thank you bernie for saying going after the rich but unfortunately when they go to make the taxes against the so-called rich um what they've often been doing is going to the mid and upper level middle classes who are really in solidarity with us when you consider the dividing lines between the billionaires and the trillionaires and they never really go after the super rich where just several of them, uh, you know, just a clutch of them could solve many of our problems. And then Bernie doesn't even say anything about the military. If the government just took 10% of the military budget, we don't need like 800 plus bases around the world. That would resolve 
probably the majority of our economic problems. Instead, what does Congress do? They gifted the military $25 billion more than the Biden administration asked for. Pare down the empire. The left wants to defund the police, but the real police that need defunding are the global police. We don't need to do that. And then also, let's let's get back some of our billions we gave to Israel and spend it on Americans. But you're probably talking to the wrong person here because I am somebody who has zero debt for decades. I never buy more than what I can pay for on my credit card that month. So I practice what I preach. Same here. I, I uh, do my best to avoid riba or the sin of uh, interest on money. Uh, so Biden actually solved the problem on Thursday, apparently, not by minting a platinum coin, but by signing the latest uh, avoid the sh government shutdown bill that keeps things going through December 3rd. And so that's postponed. Now the crisis is postponed till December 3rd. We can all rest easy until then. Uh, meanwhile, uh, $600 transactions monitored by the IRS. Wow. Well, nobody's ever given False Flag Weekly News $600. Um, but hey, maybe they should. Well, actually, seriously, folks, this is my time to mention that we didn't quite meet our fundraiser this week. So come on, guys, give, pony up. We're, we're like 60 bucks short or something as we speak. And we haven't even started next week. So, OK, enough of that. Uh, $600 transactions are really pretty normal for It's like everybody's transactions will be flooding the IRS if they do that. And I guess uh, Congress has pushed back two, two slides down from here. We have the Democrats raising that cap. So now it's up to $10,000 transactions that get reported to the IRS. But Kat, I think this illustrates the larger problem that when you have a, a universal income tax, theoretically, the government has the right to look at every single penny that's ever passed through anybody's hands, because it's, you know, every penny that you spend is somebody else's income. And so they can claim the right to know that based on, on needing to collect taxes. That's what I don't like about the income tax. I would like to see it abolished, at least for the bottom 90th percentile, and maybe the top 10 percentile should have a steeply graduated uh, income tax. But I don't like them keeping track of everybody. And I'm glad to see they're not going to be keeping track of $600 transactions. Well, $600 is just, it's so insulting. It, it That pretty much goes after every single American except the homeless. Um, but the more people you audit, the more money they'll rake in. It's the equivalent of just tearing out the copper wiring. It's at that level. But what I want to know is, are they really going to hire additional IRA, uh, IRS agents to uh, their payroll to monitor and all this? Uh, heck no. Um, this is going to be a boondoggle for surveillance because they're going to be using AI bots to monitor all this. It's just greasing the wheels for the social credit monetary system they want to install once they crash our economy. Absolutely right. And so uh, how about the build back better thing? 3.5 trillion. That's what the big fight in Congress is all about. So 3.5 trillion, according to the intercept, is a lot less money than you think. It's really only three and a half platinum coins. Uh, well, again, send me a platinum coin at P.O. Box 221 Mark, Wisconsin, and, and, and I'll check out uh, how much a uh, billion dollars really is worth. Or at least I'll try to figure it out. Now, seriously, though, uh it uh, this this kind of uh these these fights over this infrastructure program uh it's it, it, i don't know what the details of of this infrastructure program look to me like it's really not focusing entirely on infrastructure and whether that's a good thing or not i don't know what do you think Ed? Oh, it's just so full of uh, all manner of boondoggle that can uh, go here or there, the pork. It's just awful. Um, what I'm more concerned about, or one of the things that I'm concerned about is um, it's, it's like a, I, I'm sure there's going to be uh, money for the poor, seniors, childcare, education. In the old days, I would have supported that, but no longer. This massive UBI, universal basic income, where you have federal funding versus truly grassroots local largesse um, it, from keeping strings attached in a big way. When the government is doing this, they're just going to um, monetize Agenda 30 style, the social services who now get this money. Before you could have your local organizations pretty much make sure that the money went to the right people. But now there is a, an entire Agenda 30, the Great Reset, that wants to monetize human behavior and labor. And they're going to do it. The tip of the spear through which they're going to do it are the social service agencies that are going to get all of this money to supposedly help the poor, seniors, uh, child care. But all it is is a way to enroll them and um, into this whole digital system where they monetize human behavior and labor.
Well, if there was true UBI and they weren't uh, kicking you off of it for making uh, YouTube videos that they don't like and so on and so forth, it might not be such a bad thing. Uh, the argument for it, of course, is that productivity has exploded over the past half century or century to the point that it's hard to get enough money into people's hands to buy all the stuff that can be easily created by all of these uh, mechanized systems with their economies of scale. So Andrew Yang pointed this out and said it would be great if we just kind of gave this dividend of like 10000 a year or so to everybody. And I think there's an argument for that. The argument against it is that it kind of does create this very centralized sort of technocratic system with all sorts of potential for abuse. So I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of a fence-sitting skeptic on that one, but I, I lean towards thinking that the pro-UBI arguments, given the unfortunate reality that we're in, might be better than the anti-ones. But we can argue about that on a radio show, Kat, because the next okay. story uh, is about the Federal Reserve's Kaplan and Rosengren resigning. Um, Kaplan and Rosengren. That sounds like a Borscht Belt comedy duo, doesn't it? <laughs> and that sounds like an ethnic joke, doesn't it? It sounds oh, like goodness. an ethnic joke, doesn't it? So quick, turn on uh -oh. the Raptors bus team's highly advanced proprietary stack technology and 16-foot video wall. Um, <laughs> seriously, folks, we are not suggesting that the Federal Reserve and the highest level banking milieu is, uh, shall we say, ethnically disproportionate. No, far be it from us to notice such things. Uh, in any case, Kaplan and Rosengren are going to have to start doing Borscht Belt comedy because they're out of the Federal Reserve after doing all sorts of dubious, uh, meaning probably fraudulent or illegal uh, trading. Doesn't surprise me. How about you? Um, well, I'm just thrilled that some criminals at the Federal Reserve are finally getting publicly humiliated and ousted for cheating the public. So good for that. But um, it must be said that... Um, it's rare to see them ousted. And this was done by their own initiative. The Fed chair is Jerome Powell, a Trump appointee. And it's the first time there was an 18 month exception, but this is the first time there's been a non-Jewish head of the Federal Reserve. So uh, the maybe there's the a course. That's, that's proof the apocalypse is upon us. Might be a correlation there between somebody finally getting put away and uh, we have a, um, a goy heading up the Federal Reserve almost for the first time. Okay, well, uh, there are shocking stories every week here at False Flag Weekly News, and a, a goy Fed head is one of them. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the Trump Wars category. And, and this was, again, one of our most important stories this week, uh, you know, a good long read story like that Charles Eisenstein story. You should read this and you should read Charles Eisenstein for sure. Both worth your uh, time. So this long, long story published by Yahoo News Investigative Division proves there is still some value in mainstream journalism occasionally. And this story points out that senior officials in the CIA and Trump administration discussed killing Assange, going so far as to request sketches or options for how to assassinate him. But hey, send him to the U.S. He'll get a fair trial from the Yanks. Yeah, right. Oh man, what what a story this is! It's it's got you know plans for for um, you know if, if he tries to sneak out of the embassy, we're we're gonna you know rendition him and throw you know throw him in the ocean with Bin Laden and have a shootout with the Bobbies if necessary. And of course, the Russian spies are going to be shooting too. It's it's like James Bond. Yeah. Um, well, I would like to take the time to just. Um, discuss what's going on with uh, Julian Assange because um, there was a decision, the decision for his extradition back in January was punted um, and it's coming up October 27th and 28th. The U.S. Did, was denied extradition solely because supposedly the U.S. has such terrible prisons that Assange might commit suicide. and oh, like the Jeffrey Brits Epstein. Would, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And the Brits, of course, would not want that. I mean, um, as if Belmarsh uh, prison is not some kind of dungeon itself. But if the U.S. loses this appeal, Assange could finally walk. And if he wins, he will be extradited. But um, the U.S., what their appeal is, is that the judge put too much weight on Assange's psychiatric state and that misled the court. But it's very unusual for an appeals court to second guess a judge's opinion of an expert. So will this judge allow the US to broaden the appeal to review the psychiatric assessment? Um, it's, a, it's a very uh, difficult thing right now and you can just see them uh, going, for, going for the kill almost literally, and allowing Assange to be extradited to one of our cleaned up, uh, less evil prisons where he wouldn't commit suicide, like what, Florence, where it's uh, so sterile that uh, you go crazy before you go uh, com commit suicide? 
it's a terrible situation. Well, well, I would hope that the British uh, judicial authorities would say, wait a minute, uh, are we going to send this guy to a country that was planning to assassinate him here in London? That's insane. It's insane. Uh, I mean, it should be an open and shut case, but who knows what the corrupt powers that be will do with it. In any case, um, Assange allegedly, or WikiLeaks anyway, played a role in the election of Donald Trump in 2016 by publishing the Hillary emails. And all of this is ever since then, American elections have been in chaos and in question. And the latest news on that front is from Arizona, where the Epoch Times uh, tells us that there were multiple inconsistencies in the election audit, but the election audit still did find the vote count was pretty accurate. So the mainstream tells us these so-called inconsistencies were basically nothing. Uh, what do you think, Kat? That is just such a lie, what they're saying. The audit in uh, Maricopa County um, actually showed massive voter fraud, roughly 300,000 problematic votes. Um, a typical example was um, over 86,000 votes did not have an identity match. They didn't even, zero proof of who it is based on uh, the voter's um, identity. There was no cross match with the post office or social security. Um, and 44% of these phantom ballots were democratic. So that comes to like 38,000 disqualifiable votes. Well, Biden won by 10,000 votes. So, and that's just one alone of the 300,000. The important thing to understand is um, this was a, a um, assiduously done um, audit. This and, and the, the first draft of this audit in the executive summary, it came right out and said is based on the audit, the results of that 2020 election in Arizona should never have been certified. But then when it got to the end, whoops, it flipped. And so all the news reports now is, oh, it, it didn't pass. But what the audit is being used now is a um, is a test case, and clearly bad actors got to um, the the attorney general. But it's being used now in other states that are seeing that it was done with such integrity that they're looking at it in other states of how to go about it. And for me, I kind of um, saw it in a way as like the um, the Warren Commission. Um, that's my analogy because. Um, the Warren Commission, if you look at the actual evidence, it's a slam dunk, but then you get the executive summary report and it's the complete flip opposite. That's what this is. And the big difference is, is that in the Warren Commission in the 26 volumes, it is riddled with all kinds of thwarting and tampering. Whereas this Arizona audit, if we were allowed to look at it, um, really truly and they they looked at it as opposed to at the 11th hour they didn't um, decertify um it is um a a paragon of how an audit should be done and the truth is just sitting in there but it's not it's all we're getting is the the equivalent of the warren commission's executive summary report interesting so how do we solve this problem of the people registered to vote who may not be properly registered and so on and so forth. Well, one answer is to just universally register everybody. And one proposal here in the New York Times is to register voters when they fill out tax returns. Uh, because 99.5 people, 0.5% of Americans have showed up at some point on IRS documents. And Americans are conscientious taxpayers who see tax filing as an important civic responsibility, says the New York Times. Hmm, that's not exactly what I hear down in the, the local cafe and stuff. But in any case, uh, what do you think, Kat? Is, is there a way that voters could be reliably kind of universally registered? Um, well, I, I don't believe that 90% of Americans appear on income taxes. I think there's a much higher representation at um, Department of Motor Vehicles um, and um, people are just going there for their identity cards. I don't like the government doing it through our finances because then they can use this in surveillance ways that um, they'll tie it to the this forthcoming um, social credit system that they want. It'll be easier for tyrannical forces to disable our voting rights if we go get a low social credit rating. So um, does that necessarily solve the problem of how to register? I don't think we really have a problem. I think they're concocting the problem. The biggest problem with uh, voter fraud is mail-in ballots. 
mail-in ballots are okay for that small segment that truly should have them, the sick or people who are out of the country. But the, the fraud that's happening now is massive mail-in ballots, and that is where the most, that, that's why this last election, we've had these audits. It's, it's, there's always been fraud and election um, um, theft, but never, ever like we had in the election, and I think continuing in California's election. Um, did um, Newsom really win? I think that one was rigged too. They're all rigged. And so I think we need to get back to um, um, paper ballots and none of this uh, hacking into computer systems that are totally online when they say they aren't. And um, I think we do already have good uh, voting situation um, for registering. We're just not using what we have. It's being contorted and distorted by the people in power so that they can basically um, rig the system in their favor. Well, I, I agree there. The elections are somewhat rigged and uh, highly problematic and that there's widespread fraud. But I don't know if I agree with the details, Kat. Uh, from what I've seen, the mail-in ballots are probably a vastly smaller problem than rigged computerized voting machines. Uh, and But that, that's, a, that's another debate we could have on the radio sometime. Uh, so how about the techno breakthroughs? This week we learned that, that there will be large hydrogen-powered airliners in the sky starting in 2030. The trial balloon for the program will be named the Hindenburg. Kat, would you like to book a flight? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I'm curious about why this article didn't mention any downsides. I mean, can we have a pro and a con? Where is our impartial um, press? Um, and the quote that I was most concerned about is, um, quote, Boeing's apparent lack of enthusiasm for hydrogen. But they don't explain what Boeing's reservations are. Boeing is an aviation corporation that has decades of experience. So I would think it would be worthy for them to tell us their hesitancies about hydrogen. So I don't know. The jury's out. I, I, I'm not a techie enough to really, it's beyond my pay grade to understand the viability of hydrogen-powered airplanes. Well, look, if Boeing doesn't want to do it, they say it's not going to work. I think we should let that dicey little startup Hindenburg and Hindenburg put those things in the air and see what happens. Moving on to more tech news. How about the tugboat issue? Uh, a Boston company is going to be doing remote-controlled tugboats. The first one will be called the Bly, named after a pioneering female journalist of the 19th century who traveled around the world in 72 days. In a tugboat? Mm, I doubt that. So mm -hmm. feminism is somehow involved in this. <laughs> They're taking work away from ship's captains who are disproportionately men. And that's good, right, Kat? I mean, you're a feminist. Tell us about it. <laughs> Well, that's not my understanding of feminism that gets warped and weaponized. But again, we have virtually no challenges to the wonderful technology coming our way to help us. Automated, um, automated shipping is like driverless cars. There's many hidden problems with that. And there was no mention of the cyber attacks like what happened with the Suez Canal uh, ship, the Evergreen, last April. That was a... Um, a disaster. And also there's the whole concept of civil liability for shipping or aviation accidents um, that are fault-based. How do you determine liability if the ship lacks real-time human intervention? So if, if it's being remotely controlled, who do you go to? The remote operators? Were they alert? Was the software updated? Uh, did the company have robust software? Um, all of these factors are miles away from the scene of the crime, and these open up new ethical and um, uh, judicial issues that we haven't even begun to figure out before we just like lay all this technology on uh, society. Well, it's a brave new world out there, and part of the brave new world, of course, is the globalization and immigration situation with people from all over the world living all over the world. And uh, the bad news is that the DHS has released 12,000 Haitian immigrants, uh, apparently illegal immigrants, into the country. The, but the good news is they're being chased around and rounded up by cowboy, cowboys on horseback, cracking whips, so we can all rest easily tonight. Now, actually, but seriously, Kat, actually, you know, this immigration thing, I'm, a lot of my friends in the alternative world uh, are big Trump supporters, build the wall and all this kind of thing. I actually kind of identify more with the Haitians here. But, you know, maybe that's just me. 
Well, they're not, um, they're, they're not actual um, political refugees. Um, all of Honduras would come in this country if we'd let it. I don't understand how all these thousands uh, could uh, leave an island, and, and I guess some of them are coming up through South America even. Um, one of my concerns is where's the Red Cross for this refugee crisis? And the numbers are screwy. Um, supposedly, Mallorca said more than 12,000 were admitted, but then apart from that, we learned that 2,000 were deported to Haiti and 8,000 voluntarily returned to Mexico. So how does that, that adds up to 22,000. I mean, it's just crazy and there's no infrastructure. Um, I, I'm just really perturbed by it all and I think, um, I think we should close our borders. Um, and if we want to help them, help them where they're at, where they can retain, maintain their own cultural um, and, and communities, their cultural identities and their communities. There's no need to have all of these people here and they're coming across the border. Um, if it were my neighborhood, I want to be a good Christian, quote unquote, but um, I wouldn't want to help people who were uh, just dumped on my community with uh, without any kind of foresight or um or thought about what's happening to the people they're being dumped into. It's just, it's a disgrace. And it's all just, the whole thing is basically so that the Democrats can get more votes. That's all it is. People are being used left and right for that, that terrible agenda of the Democrats. Okay, well, we can debate this one on the radio sometime too, I guess. Um, I, I don't mind having like these little neighborhoods full of Haitians here and, you know, Chinese there and uh, whatever, you know. It's, I, I don't really believe in an ethno-homogenous nation state. I would like to see ethno-homogenous neighborhoods uh, in cities with lots and lots and lots of different neighborhoods and each one following their own religion and customs and culture and that sort of thing. I think so. I think it should be it should be cities and neighborhoods. It shouldn't be like a whole nation that all has to be the same ethnicity. That's part of the problem with Israel is they've got one ethnicity that wants to be everything there. But that's a, another could, topic. Well, I could go along with that as long as it was done properly as opposed to pretty much illegally and unethically. But I okay. like what you're saying, but let's okay. do it right. Well, maybe, yeah, we should maybe uh, discuss this further. But first, we have to get to the most important story of the week, which is that the world's <laughs> most prestigious medical journal, The Lancet, has apologized uh, after referring to women as, quote, bodies with vaginas. They have, in fact, apologized to the world's four billion vaginas for equating them with gender normativism, <laughs> transphobia, and other crimes against humanity. Now, the world's vaginas, by a vote of 2.8 billion to 1.2 billion, have officially accepted the apology, which is rare good news to end our show with. Well, what next? Will we see marriage ceremonies? John, do you take this body with a vagina to be your lawfully wedded birthing person? <laughs> right. And, and uh, yeah, where, where will it go next? The only way to find out is to keep tuning into False Flag Weekly News. So we will be back next week, God willing, and uh, with another 60 bucks or so for our fundraiser for this week. Uh, we'll get there next week. So thank you so much. Cat uh, McGuire, keep up the fantastic work organizing uh, freedom demonstrations in New York City. I uh, can't wait to hear the next from, from that front. Australia, that's where we're going next. <laughs> Heading for Australia, shrimp on the barbie, man. Okay, we'll see you all there next week. <laughs> same okay. time, same channel. Hi. Thanks, Kat. Okay, bye-bye. Uh -huh.